Hello and welcome back to Wellness Weekly. I'm Rachel Kukaji. And I am Brock Lutz. And today we are here with our college nutritionist, Denise Lovinger. So thank you for coming on, Denise. We're really excited to have you. This is new for our college. So <laughs> if you first could just tell us about what your role at the college is and your educational background. Okay, thank you for having me. I've been at the college for about six months now, and I'm working in health services, working with some of the athletes on teaching them about nutrition to help improve their performance, and working with several students on all different areas of of nutrition, things that they would like help with, Um, working with some of the eating disorder clients that the health services sees as well. Um, I've been a registered dietitian nutritionist for over 30 years, primarily working in chronic disease and in the hospital setting, but also working with schools and some students with sports nutrition, as well as just some individual patients in a, in a private practice setting. Um, I went to school at Purdue University. I got a degree in my BS in nutrition and became a registered dietitian after doing an internship for several years. Um, we were talking earlier about the term dietitian. Um, that is my credentials. There are a lot of people who call themselves nutritionists out there who don't have the nutrition background. But I don't like the word dietitian because I don't like the word diet very much, which we'll talk mm. more about. Mm. I don't like people feeling like they're on a diet. I like right. to talk more about nutrition. Mm. Yeah. So and. What, do you, what are the negatives of the word diet or people thinking of things as a diet? I think when most people come to see me, many of them say they did not want to come and see me because they thought I would put them on a diet. And a diet means a restriction. Hmm. It means I'm going to take food away from you. I'm going to tell you what you can and cannot eat. And there is a diet culture in our country that diet has that negative term that I have to restrict food in order to lose weight, in order to look good, hmm. in order to be happy. Yeah. I think culturally, food and what people do with food or what they think of food mm-hmm. is one of the more, more complex and complicated things. Mm-hmm. So w- in general, what what is your just overall like philosophy of food mm-hmm. and what is healthy nutrition mm-hmm. and what have you noticed in your time at Hillsdale so far about mm-hmm. college students and food? Mm-hmm. So my overall philosophy is that all foods fit, that food is your culture. Food is fuel for our bodies, but it's also comfort. It's memories. It feeds our soul as well as feeding our bodies. So I really try to work individually with people on what kind of food they like to eat and what they want to have in their diet um, and how they can change that a little bit. Hmm. Of course, I try and get people to eat healthier choices to make their bodies work better and feel better, but we'll do that in a background of what they're normally eating. Hmm. And what I'm finding with the students here is they are very confused about how to eat based on social media, mixed messaging, contradictory nutrition information. Many of them don't know how to eat or they've been told by a friend or somebody close to them, a family member, that they can't eat certain foods. So they do restrict those foods. And some of them are telling me they don't feel joy when they eat because they feel like they're guilty if they're eating ice cream or a dessert or something that they enjoy. And I hear that a lot when I see clients in my private practice as well. Mm -hmm. There's just so much confusion, and I think a lot of guilt surrounding food as well, which Mm -hmm. there should be no guilt surrounding food. But I'm seeing that here on on campus. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard someone once say that there's no such thing as bad food. Mm -hmm. 
Do you agree with that? I do. I, I, I don't think there's any, there are foods that certainly are not going to help our bodies mm-hmm. and we need to limit those. But if it's something that you like, and I will use soda, I mean, regular soda, right? that's probably the one food that I will try to get people to stop drinking. But if you love that, mm-hmm. then you need to enjoy that once in a while. Right. Um, so I, I don't like to label foods good and bad. All or foods junk food can fit. Or, or junk food, mm-hmm. right. Because so your body can use it and break it down and do something with it. Absolutely. Right. It can still use it for energy. Even that Coke, that regular Coke or that regular Mountain Dew, mm-hmm. your body is going to use that for some real quick mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. You talked about encouraging healthier options. Mm-hmm. For yourself, what are a typical healthy Mm -hmm. lunch or dinner or Mm -hmm. breakfast look like? So healthy options should include foods that have fiber, foods that have protein, and foods that have healthy fats. Those three nutrients keep us full. They keep our blood sugar stable. Fiber, food, fiber, fiber, healthy fats, fats, and proteins. So a perfect lunch might be a turkey sandwich with some avocado slices on whole wheat bread, some veggies and hummus to go with it, and an apple. And if you want a cookie or a brownie, go ahead and have that as well. But that fiber, fat, and lean meat combination really keeps you focused and fueled. When we eat too much sugar and don't have the fiber or the protein, our body uses that very quickly and we feel really good for a few minutes, but then that blood sugar comes back down and it leaves us feeling unfocused and tired. By eating that fiber, fat, and protein, it kind of keeps your blood sugar stable and mm. makes you feel good for several hours. Yeah. I have some friends the past couple of years, I feel like as I've gotten to maturity, it's become a big thing with people having lots of different food sensitivities and random mm-hmm. ones mm. too. Like mm-hmm. I went to the doctor and suddenly I can't have honey. I can't have turkey. I can't have this and that. Mm-hmm. You know, the big one is probably gluten and dairy. Right. People mm-hmm. go to cut those out right mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. But even these more odd specific ones, I hear mm-hmm. all over here and at home. Mm-hmm. What do you think are is contributing yeah. to that? That is a huge question with a a huge explanation. But I really think from the research I've done is the microbiome in our guts, the healthy Mm. bacteria in our guts have been changing based on some possibly of additives in our food, Mm. based on higher intakes of sugar possibly. But they attribute a lot of these food sensitivities and inflammatory responses we're having to this bacteria in our intestines and our gut just not being as as good as it once was Mm -hmm. and there's a whole way of eating to produce more healthy gut bacteria and get getting rid of healthy gut bacteria but it's something that I've noticed certainly in my career in just the past 10 to 15 years Mm -hmm. and we talk about gluten and gluten-free diets have become a fad but there are some people that are truly sensitive Mm -hmm. to gluten and truly sensitive to dairy Um, But it is an interesting topic that they're doing much more research on. Um, I do think it's also, on the other hand, become kind of vogue to have Mm -hmm. these food insensitivities. Mm -hmm. So I always really look to see where the student or the client got that information from. You know, Mm -hmm. were they really tested for that or can their physician or provider not think of anything else wrong with them so they just say that's it and i was going to ask about how like diagnostically that is arrived at because Mm -hmm. i I have a lot of students over the years who've thrown that out there and my suspicion is Mm -hmm. that maybe this is actually part of an eating disorder and they Mm -hmm. just don't Mm want to eat 
you know, mm-hmm. white flour or sugar. Right. So diagnostically, how does someone get that? Um, like that, <laughs> that diagnosis of a, a food insensitivity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. There are some blood tests that can be done, and mm-hmm. there are a, an upper GI, a lower GI, looking at the colon to see if there's the, the things that our bodies need to digest those mm-hmm. things, to see if there's sufficient lactase to digest the milk, okay. to see if there's sufficient um, enzymes to to digest gluten there's definitely diagnostic tools but i really do think people do a lot of reading and listen listening to others and oh i have these symptoms mom says i need to stay away from gluten or you know i was told by my aunt that i need to stay away from this Mm. so you can diagnose it and i do Mm -hmm. see more of it but a lot of times i just think we self-diagnose that Mm -hmm. because you read that in the literature right Mm -hmm. You're listening to Wellness Weekly on Radio Free Hillsdale 11.7 FM. Today we're talking with our college nutritionist, Denise Lovinger. We're here right now talking about different food allergies, and you mentioned the biome in your gut, and there are ways that you can naturally improve that. Could you talk more about some of those ways? Sure. A lot of that is eating more fermented foods like kombucha, Mm -hmm. Greek yogurt, um, sauerkraut, (laughs) (laughs) believe it or not. Um, and then there's eat. a great Weird Al Yankovic song about sauerkraut. About by sauerkraut, the way. is there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why don't you sing that for us? <laughs> and then producing those foods that are good for our gut, and those are anti-inflammatory foods: hmm. berries, whole grains, whole wheat bread, whole wheat pasta, green tea, um, high-fiber fruits, vegetables, leafy greens. Hmm. All of those high-fiber fruits and vegetables and nuts are develop good bacteria in our guts Mm -hmm. um avoiding sugar although i don't like to say avoiding sugar reducing sugar also may help um sugar certainly is something i love and we all should be able to eat that but just not having it two to three times a day may help kind of reduce that inflammation in your gut interesting so i i thought i would throw out some different diets and just have you um, comment on them some mm-hmm. um, keto, which is primarily eating protein. Well, um, actually, a true keto diet is, and this, I'm glad you said that mm-hmm. because this is what everyone thinks the keto diet is: mm. is high protein, low carb. It's mm. actually high fat. Oh, a okay. true keto diet is 70% fat. Okay. Very little carbohydrate and very little protein. Mm. And I'm not going to bash any of the diets because certain diets work for certain people and make people feel well. The problem with the keto diet is it restricts so many nutrients we need. Hmm. You can't have whole wheat bread or the fiber in food that our bodies require for Hmm. digestion. Carbohydrates are needed to fuel our brain and to fuel our muscles. When we don't have that in the keto diet, our body breaks down that fat and protein to produce glucose. Hmm. But that's at a cost to our body. Um, And the biggest problem I have with it is it just eliminates so many healthy important nutrients that if you don't get and if it's done correctly with lean healthy fats it's okay Mm -hmm. but the typical person on a keto diet lives on bacon sausage beef jerky and steak and i have seen that raise the cholesterol levels of Mm -hmm. many of my patients Um, there are healthier ways to do it i think it would be okay for a a short term maybe Mm -hmm. a month to get you started um, but it, it can have some, some effects on your health if you mm. stay on that long-term. Mm. And it's very difficult to stay on long-term. We crave carbohydrates. And I've been doing this for 30 years, and the keto diets 
a revamped Atkins diet and all Right. Not many people can follow that forever. Hard mm. to maintain. Hard to maintain mm -hmm. and sustain not eating carbohydrates. How about intermittent fasting? And intermittent fasting is very interesting. I've been doing a lot of research on that. I think that can be good for some people. Um, I don't think it is good for anyone with a history of disordered eating. And that mm -hmm. tends to be having like an eight-hour window of time? Yes, and it, it kind of depends. Okay. I always recommend an eight to ten-hour window of time of eating, and then you'd have the 14 to 12-hour of fasting. Um, this can work really well with older women, believe it or not. Um, it works well if you are somebody that can stay focused in the morning without mm -hmm. eating in the morning. Um, I am a confessed. Yes, I yes. don't eat breakfast person. So, yeah, yeah. but it but it does work for me, and yeah, I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not hungry honestly by the time I get yeah. to lunch. So. I have a lot of people, including my husband, who kind of does this intermittent fasting as well. He eats at ten is the first time he eats. Mm -hmm. um, there, it, it's controversial, and it has to be done in the right situation. Mm -hmm. um, anyone with a history of an eating disorder or a history of restricting food, it's not a good situation for. But the research shows it can be helpful. But again, it's maintaining the healthy foods during your time of eating. Mm -hmm. I've also met people that during that eight hours eat Pop-Tarts and right. don't, don't eat fruit and vegetables mm -hmm. and meat. So mm -hmm. it still needs to be done within yeah. the context of good nutrition. Yeah. What about if you eat breakfast sometimes and not others? <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I typically don't eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. Weekends, the dining hall isn't open until brunch, and so mm -hmm. I essentially eat at lunchtime. Mm -hmm. And weekdays, it depends on if I work out. If I work out, I will make myself eggs or oatmeal. Good. To refuel. Mm -hmm. But if I, it's a day I'm not working out, I mm -hmm. will just get up and mm -hmm. go on my way. Maybe get a scone or a bagel, mm -hmm. <laughs> some carbs, crazy yeah. carbs. Mm -hmm. Which is a fun thing to do on Saturday but, morning. <laughs> but other times, mm -hmm. I'll just... I can go, like you said, Brock, if I'm not working out, I can easily go till lunch. Mm -hmm. Is there a danger in not in not being regular one way or another? No, there's not. And that's a good question. And it really is your fuel. I mean, in mm -hmm. your energy level, if you can skip breakfast and you have good energy, you're focused and you can get things done, then, and which sounds like is Brock's situation, mm -hmm. that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but you do want to fuel yourself periodically throughout the day. And for some college students and some people that stay up late, eating breakfast later in the day or starting with lunch, if you're someone who stays up to midnight, that would be the time to continue to fuel. Yeah. You just want to mm -hmm. have regular fuel throughout the day, and your day starts when you want it to. Hmm. Hmm. What about the Whole30 diet? I think Whole30 is fine for a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. um, again, it's restrictive, so it's nothing I would ever recommend. Mm -hmm. I will not recommend anything that... I tell you, you can't have carbs, you can't have dairy. I, I would never recommend something that you restrict. Mm -hmm. I just don't believe in it. Yep. If you are someone that truly wants to follow this Whole30, again, I would prefer to do that with you and teach you how to do it healthfully sure. and when to stop restricting. So all of the diets that we've mentioned, except for the intermittent fasting, is just restricting certain food groups. Mm -hmm. God did not make our body that way. Our yeah. body needs mm -hmm. fruits, vegetables, meats, and grains. When you yeah. restrict one of those, it's just not good. I read recently that most people that go on one of those diets mm -hmm. a year later will actually be heavier. Yes. Be because, I mean, I... I 
I guess I can assume why that would be, but why, why would, you're nodding your head, so why would that usually the, be true? This is my life with adults trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. They have restricted food, and they've restricted it so much that it has shut their body down a little bit. You know, our bodies will live for three months without food. Mm-hmm. So when we, we restrict or we do keto or we do Whole30, we're really restricting our calorie intake too. Yeah. So your body slows its metabolism down. It holds on to every single calorie it has because mm-hmm. it thinks you're starving itself. And then when you start eating normally again, when you start eating the carbs again, because you're going to crave the scone or the bagel, or you start eating normally again, your body still is burning calories at a low level for a while, mm. and it takes mm. a while to build that up. So people put that weight back on, yeah. and then they just continue to eat more and more because they've been restricting themselves for the past year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This food tastes so good, they eat more and more. And I so see kind of a binge purge. It's kind definitely, of cycle in a way. and I see this with people, <clears throat> high weight, low weight, yo-yo mm-hmm. dieting their whole life and now here they are at 55 and 60 and it's very very difficult Mm -hmm. to change their weight so if someone does want to lose weight and really struggles with that Mm -hmm. instead of because they're overweight because they're over yes say Mm -hmm. someone is really overweight and comes to you and Mm -hmm. says i want to lose weight Mm -hmm. and my goal in eating is going to be losing weight Mm -hmm. how would you do that without the too much restriction right mentality. so so we would just talk about favorite foods we talk about what foods they're comfortable eating and we would set up a plan of probably three meals and a couple of snacks a day of just regular eating of high fiber protein fat things that will keep them full and satisfied when you restrict foods you want to binge mm-hmm. when you don't eat you get hungry and you get hungry for carbohydrates so we want to keep keep them full throughout the day We'll talk about portion sizes. I'll teach them snacks and how to eat well. But it's really about having good high fiber carbs, proteins, and fats mm-hmm. five to six times a day, mm-hmm. yeah. little bits of food throughout the day. I'd also teach them how to get food at Bon Appetit and yeah. you know, talk about their choices here. Mm. Well, I, w- I was going to ask, you spent some good time in, in at Bon Appetit. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say are... The, the strengths there mm-hmm. of of what is provided, and you've even consulted with them some on mm-hmm. what they should provide. So. Mm-hmm. so the strengths is definitely that salad bar because I noticed there was lots of lean proteins on there. There were beans, um, nuts, lots of different greens. That is a strength, I think, having the bar where you can get chicken or a hamburger, sandwiches. They have whole wheat bread there. Mm-hmm. I noticed they always have some kind of vegetables that you can get. Um, always have some fresh fruit was one of the things I talked to them about. And with the pandemic, it has been hard for them to get mm-hmm. a lot of food. Um, but having Greek yogurt and high-protein options, I noticed they also have a lot of vegetarian, plant-based options, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. I think there are plenty of options there, and I think there will be more as this chain supply mm-hmm. you know, gets a little bit better. On the topic of the college environment specifically, mm-hmm. what are some regular challenges you see college students here have and what is some advice you would give college students on fueling their bodies and mind specifically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great question and I think the biggest challenge is time you don't have time to think about food or Mm -hmm. plan your food and I think it's taking about 10 or 15 minutes every day every week I recommend them just to look at their schedule plan out what they're doing that week plan what days they might miss breakfast 
and just take a, a quick trip to the store or take some extra food from Bon Appetit to have in their rooms so they can have that snack or have breakfast. Um, plan something to put in your backpack if you're not going to have time for lunch. Um, I just encourage them to take a few minutes to plan their week out because I think that's the hardest part. You don't you stay up late, you might get up late in the morning and oh, here we go, I'm going to class, I don't have a break till three. Mm -hmm. I can't go to Bon Appetit for lunch, what am I gonna eat? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think having some good things in your room, bananas, peanut butter, whole wheat bread, so you can make yourself a peanut butter sandwich, mm -hmm. apples, um, trail mix, dried fruit, and nuts mixed together, mm -hmm. things like that in your room, granola bars, mm -hmm. just that you can eat in case you don't have time to get a meal. I think from the beginning of time, we've always heard 2,000 calories a day. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I, I, people, that, I have people question that. Yeah, um, that. What that is, why they put that on our labels, it's the average. When you average all age groups, including pregnant women, okay. the average mm -hmm. calories people need are around 2,000. Your, your needs are based on your energy level. Right. That's truly what your, your estimated needs are. Mm -hmm. For most college kids who are relatively active, I think they need a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of what they came up with, averaging children, pregnant women, older people, younger people. NFL um, quarterbacks. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They, need like about, they need about 8,000 calories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Much more than 2,000. Yeah. So it's really based on your energy demands, what mm. calories you need. Good. And anyone that tells you to eat less than 1,500 calories, don't listen to that because right. that isn't good. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank you so much for your time, Denise. It's a pleasure yeah, talking to you. Uh, thank you. It was fun to be here. You've been listening to Wellness Weekly on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, and we just interviewed our nutritionist, Denise Lovinger. If you missed the beginning of the episode or want to listen to more episodes, check us out on Spotify. We'll be out of town next week for spring break, but you can catch other episodes there or in two weeks to Mac in to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.